podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm joined today by a man who only played one season in Belfast, but is still remembered today as one of the all-time characters in club history. Moreover, he's remembered for aggressive physical defending and an iconic game-winning goal in Nottingham that helped your Belfast Giants on their way to the 2011-12 EIHL League Championship. Speaking to us today from his home in Point Clare, Quebec, Canada, welcome back to View from the Bridge, Nick Kuyper. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and I'm glad to be on. It's uh, so good to hear your voice again. Uh, first of all, before we get into it, uh, are, are you in lockdown out there? Is everybody keeping safe? What's going on in Quebec? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm on lockdown. I think most people are, except for the essential services. And uh, so I'm at home now. I've been at home for about two weeks and uh, just trying to stay busy. Yeah, just just like everyone else. Um, I want to start at the end, really. You, you hung the skates up in 2013-14 after a season in the Netherlands with the Heron yeah. Flyers. Um, tell me how things have changed since you hung the skates up. How's life after hockey? Well, it's good. You know, I mean, I find life uh, after hockey is easier and uh, easier and harder at, in, in the same sense. You know, it's easier because... Uh, you know, you're not on the bus all the time. You don't physically have to uh, keep yourself to the highest standard. You don't really have to be watching what you eat. You don't have to watch your fat levels. There's a lot of things that, you know, that are a lot different in terms of that. But, uh, you know, then then you got to work a lot longer hours and you got to get into the mainstream uh, world. So there's, there's basically, you know, the good and the bad of it. But uh, it's easier for your family life and relationships and stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I'm personally, I'm glad that I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I'm glad I stopped in my thirties and didn't play like uh, too, too many more years. So were you ever you know. tempt, were you ever tempted into the coaching side of things, or, or whenever you were done, were you just done? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I still help out in hockey here, you know, but uh, as a full time coach, no, I didn't really. Uh, that didn't really cross my mind, to be totally honest. I think like I wanted to just uh, when I stopped playing was come back to Montreal and uh, start my life. Yeah, and let's look at, at that career then. Uh, you know, you signed for, for the Norfolk Admirals, uh, who were in the AHL mm-hmm. at the time, after captain in the, the UMass Amherst Minutemen in your final year of NCAA hockey. Uh, you also made the Hockey East All-Academic team two years in a row in your first couple of years of, at college. How was the transition yeah. from college hockey straight into the deep end of the American Hockey League? Was that a steep learning curve? Yeah, it definitely was. And uh, also the year when I started in the American League was the lockout year in 2004. So, I mean, you know, like it was basically an NHL and it, it was it was an adjustment because of uh, one, the, the caliber, but also to the uh, the amount of games and the travel. Like it's not the same as college college. You know, you play like max 40 games with that would be including like playoffs and so like the american league you get to 40 games in no time and uh, there's a lot of travel especially like where where our team is located norfolk there's a you travel it like a lot you know because you're you're in a division with uh, philly hershey wilkes bar and i i think they're about six hours bus ride to the closest team in your division so there's a lot of travel so i think that is definitely an adjustment 
brilliant. So, I, I read a fantastic piece on the website, The Athletic, last uh, last week that followed uh, yeah. Doug Christensen's Indy Fuel, who are a fairly new East Coast team. Uh, they were on a, a, a deep road swing, and, and it really painted a picture of the team's like camaraderie through those, like you talk about those long hours on the bus, bad hotels, terrible coffee, yeah. all that kind of stuff. What were road trips really like in the A and, and the 30-odd games you, you, you played in the East Coast League? Do you have any standout memories from the road, good or bad? Uh, well, they were per- the the uh, the accommodations were pretty good overall. I mean, uh, I don't think I would remember like a horrible trip. I just think I remember the the amount of time because, like, I if I remember correctly, in Norfolk, my first year, we had uh, a a fourteen two fourteen day road trips, and oh then God. maybe <laughs> yeah. So we had two, and I think if I remember again correctly, because it's a long time. We played 10 games in 14 days. I think that was the amount of games. And then I think we had a 21 day with like about 14 games in that amount of time. So we didn't go back like, like when we left Norfolk, we didn't go back there for, uh, for the 21 days. So there were just long trips there, but it was fun because we had a good group of guys there. So, uh, it wasn't so bad. I mean, if you if you don't have a good group of guys, it might make the trip a lot longer. But we were we were fortunate that we had uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with the guys there, so it was uh, it was good. What do you do on the bus for all those days to pass the time? Well, I should be reading, you know, like <laughs> I don't know, like and and those. But back then there wasn't a there. Like I I I barely use my cell phone. I didn't even have internet, right? So. The cell phone thing was a lot different. Like uh, nowadays, everyone's probably on their cell. But back then, I mean, maybe you could play uh, some video games on a. Some guys did crosswords, Sudoku's, uh, reading, like different things like that, just to try to stay uh, past the time. Maybe watch some movies. You know, like uh, basically all you could really do. And what about the bus? Like, are we talking like a like a greyhound here, or did this thing have bunks and sleepers or that kind of thing? Yeah, they were sleeping buses. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for, for sure. Bit. I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I guess in if you're playing in the uh, if you're playing in a certain area like the east, you know, like Providence and some of the the places where you'd have shorter trips, you would uh, you won't you probably wouldn't need a sleeper because a lot yeah, of the, yeah. the 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 teams there, you know, like the they're they're closer I'd, I'd say they're like you know an hour and a half to three hours so a lot of those trips they probably would not need uh sleepers but we 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 had one pretty much everywhere we went you you, you make it sound like you sort of styled it out and that you were always kind of okay with it but let me tell you as a as a mere mortal i could not do that you know, that's that's called paying your dues uh but i, I want to you know you mentioned the 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 that especially that Norfolk team, that side was loaded with talent in the two seasons yeah. that you were there. You played alongside guys like Sean Thornton, uh, Dustin Bufflin, who has just today become a free agent from Winnipeg. I saw on Twitter before I came on here. Oh, yeah. um, Anton Babchuk, Renee Bork, and and even another former Belfast Giant in Jim Vandermeer. Uh, and then you yeah. had guys like Brent Seabrook, Trevor Gillies, like routinely dropping by for a few games here and there. What was that like? Yeah. Did, did you ever get starstruck with with guys that were in the show, or, or were they just another? guy in the locker room no those guys were all really good guys like uh again we were fortunate like uh we had a lot of tough guys too like uh you know sean and we had mike brown and vandermeer vandermeer is a great guy i still i still message him here and there so uh 
Yeah, we had, I mean, a mixture of toughness and a lot of skills. So uh, we, had, we had a really good team both years. My second year, too, we had different guys come in there. We had uh, the second year, well, that's when Bufflin started, you know. Yeah. Like, he was obviously a really raw talent, but he, uh, you could see the potential in a, in a guy like Buffy, you know. Like, I mean, he was so big. He, he would score in shootouts. Like, like he was shooting... Uh, pretty much every, almost every shootout and like he would score with ease like he, he'd go top corner or whatever so you could see how how talented a guy like Bufflin was very early on I mean I think it was uh it was pretty obvious you know in those days uh, of, of guys that were kind of on their way to the show or, or, or coming down to play in the A who was the best player that, that you shared a locker room with and who was the best player that you think you played against uh like I played with um on on my uh, let's say like in Norfolk at that time. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. That's a real good question. I think the first year I'd say uh, probably Rennie Bork. Yeah. 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 He was he was so strong and like uh, like I mean I think he was rookie he was the rookie of the year that year too right so that's like that year that was extremely difficult to. Uh, to do that so uh, he was rookie of the year i think he had about like 33 or 35 goals he's so strong he, sh- he shoots the puck so well and uh, i'd probably say him that year hopefully i didn't forget someone but uh <laughs> and then my second year uh who came in that we had maybe uh a guy like uh bufflin you know yeah insane. yeah probably him what, what about uh opposition teams in the a at the time is there anybody who just used to smoke you regularly was there anyone that you just hated coming up against i think i i well obviously i've been asked that before i thought about it too and i think maybe uh the lockout year if you look around how many guys are i think eric Stahl. yeah i think he's like he was deceivingly fast you don't think uh He's so fast, but he's so tall. Like he had he his reach. Uh, obviously, there were so many guys. Like you had like uh, who was there? Spezza. I mean, there were so many amazing players. It was crazy. Like the Carter was in Philly. He came near near the end. Carter Richards. Uh, I mean, there were so many players. But I just I think maybe I'd say uh, Eric Stahl at that at that time. You know. Yeah, yeah. He, he was still young and had so many more years ahead of him at that point yeah. also. Um, what you know, Especially during a lockout year, what's the atmosphere like in the American League, uh, especially at a club so stacked where everyone's competing for a chance to be sent up to Chicago or sent up to the NHL? Well, yeah, it was, it was obviously competitive, but I don't think that really was a problem ever am, amongst the players, you know, like, uh, and, and that's being honest, like, uh, but it, the the league was so competitive itself, you know, like, uh, yeah, there was a lot of tough guys. There was a lot of fighting. Uh, the games were extremely intense, but uh, I don't think uh, that really played ever a, a factor in terms of our, our team makeup. We had, we, we had a good group of guys in our, so I don't think that in terms of the competition within the players there, I think it was actually positive. Yeah, after after then your time in Norfolk, you had a, a sort of a, a pretty wild year in 2006, sort of moving around clubs in the AHL and, and the coast, the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, what what prompted the move into Europe in 2007? Did, was was there a period of unsettled there? Did you need a change of scenery? Uh, what sent you off to Europe? 
Yeah, well, I went to uh, to Europe right after that year. I think like uh, I moved around so much that year. I decided to uh, to go to to Europe because I had an offer to play in Finland, and uh, I figured I would take the chance and go there. And uh, I think that was a good start to uh, like you know playing in Europe. That's definitely one of the leagues you would want to play in. So yeah. it was a good foot in the door, and also like you know when you play in a league like that and then I went to Sweden for one month there you can uh, you can prove that like you can play well let's say skate at, in in those leagues and stuff so it makes it easier after playing there to go to uh other leagues like Germany Austria you know like more central countries so it's it's a good foot it's definitely a good foot in the door and I think like that was uh a really good experience to play in that league and uh, the ca- the caliber especially the Swedish elite league it's uh, yeah. it's really unbelievable you know you uh, you played for Lilea who the Belfast Giants played in the Champions Hockey League this past season and, and we know firsthand that's that's one hell of a team uh, that, yeah. that European style though you know people talk about the difference in styles between North American hockey and European you know people talk about there, there being less of a, uh, an importance on forecheck more of a sort of possession first skill game you're known as an yeah. aggressive physical defenseman did you have to adapt your game at all coming from the A and the coast into Finland well yeah, yeah, no. The the one thing that I think helped me though was the fact that uh, uh, UMass, like, if you look at like college hockey, there's a lot of uh, teams like New Hampshire. Like, I mean, they're ranked. There, there's like official Olympic size ices, like, but then there's some that are very close. Yeah. And there's a lot of college hockey rinks that, like, I mean, I'm I'm not sure for I'm not sure, but like, I we played in like let's say. Uh, St. Cloud, like Colorado, those are, they got to be real close to like a full Olympic size. And then in hockey, like you have enough ranks, like UMass is, is like uh, close to a full Olympic. New Hampshire's, it's got to be like a full Olympic or very close. So, you know, like I, I have been skating on like uh, bigger surfaces for four years in university. So, I don't think that I was really shocked, uh, but the speed in the Swedish Elite League is, uh, it's, it's, it's really like, like they skate so well. And it's like, if you make a mistake there, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to recover. Like if you get caught by a few feet, you're, you're not going to catch the guy. Like, so yeah, that's the one thing is you gotta be, you gotta be smart about how you cover space in, in that league. And I mean, uh, speaking of of that time when you arrived in Finland, uh, and and also speaking of aggressive physical defensemen, you shared a locker room with former giant Matt Nickerson that year. Do you have any memories yeah. of of big, big Matt Nickerson? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was a good guy, you know. Like he he was fun to have there. I mean, we didn't have a lot of imports. Uh, I think we had maybe two other John Lammers, and then. Uh, uh, Rob Heisey. Yeah, he was good to have. We had a lot of fun there. He's a good guy. And, uh, you know, obviously Max, uh, oh, he's a pretty scary guy too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's good to have him. It was always good to have him on your team, you know? I, I always find uh, Nicker to be uh, gigantic and terrifying on the ice, but very softly spoken and, and quite lighthearted in, in person. Is is that what you would remember? 
Yeah, for sure. He's a good guy. Quiet guy. Uh, does that help also with the language barrier? You know, you, you move from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you had never kind of traveled into Europe for any kind of length of time before. Uh, how, how is it to arrive there and suddenly uh, no one's speaking English? Yeah, Finland was not, uh, there, like, there's obviously maybe the younger generation is better in English, but uh, the older generation, uh, it, it, there is a communication barrier there for sure. Like, uh, Central Europe, it's it's a lot easier to get by in terms of the, the English language, you know? Yeah. So. I, I mean... You sort of, I mean, obviously took to it. You, you, it was it was Graz in Austria where you really settled in, in Europe, playing 161 games across three seasons with the 99ers. Uh, do you look yeah. back on your time there as a highlight of your career? What was it about the city of Graz or, or the organization itself that made you stay there? Well, I think, like, I could have gone, I probably could have gone back to Finland there, but I got a call because uh, the coach at the time uh, – and Graz, he coached me at UMass. So like I, I oh, knew okay. him well and I trusted him a lot. I've always had a really good relationship with him. So that was pretty much the de- deciding factor as to why I went there at the time. And then, you know, when you, like, if you look, you see a lot of players in, in like central Europe, they'll stay on teams longer. And, uh, because it's a really good country to live in. Like Austria is, uh, every, everyone would say that. Like, I don't think there'd be one guy that would say Austria is not a great place to live and to, uh, to play. You know, I was, so. I was taking a I was taking a look at some photos of the actual city itself. Of I say I say Graz, which is probably wrong. Is it Graz? Graz? Yeah, Graz. I think oh, all right, all right. <laughs> that's me schooled. Well, that that city. I was taking a look at some photos and, and the rink and all that kind of stuff. It just looks like an absolutely beautiful place to live. Yeah, it is though. That's why I think like players will stay there uh, as long as they possibly can. You know, like it. At some point, I wasn't even sure, like, uh, if I was going to come back to Canada. Really? You know? So, I mean, in saying that, then, how did the move to Belfast come about? How, how did the, the Belfast Giants end up on your radar initially? Well, Doug had contacted my agent, and uh, I got an email. And uh, it was something that, uh, for me, my plan was to always, like, uh, if I was in the NHL or, in, like, that would be a different story, you know, but if, if I, I, I figured if I'm playing hockey in Europe or let's say I was in the American League or East coast, I, I had planned to stop around 30. Right. I just think it's better to make a transition in life at that age. So I, I was already looking around like, you know, 28, 29. Okay. Like what's going to be my exit strategy. And, uh, I thought that uh, that would be the, uh, the perfect way to go is to uh, to go to Belfast and continue my education and uh, and so I took that opportunity. I didn't really uh, even have to think about it. I, I responded and then uh, I started to uh, talk to Doug and uh, you know I I moved forward with him and Todd and uh, that was it. You know, uh, did you have any offers from other EIHL clubs coming into to the UK at the time? Yeah, I did. Well, I don't know if it was an official offer. Well, I think so. It was. It was kind of coming through Nottingham. I don't really remember how that all transpired there, but uh, I ended up deciding on uh, Belfast. 
uh, smart call and uh, obviously yeah. that you, you came back to bite Nottingham uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, but when, whenever you, you came to Belfast then uh, what were your first impressions of, of the city coming from Austria to to Belfast Northern Ireland is a little bit of a changing culture uh, how did it feel to arrive here? Well I thought like right away it was nice the fact that we had a lot of uh, imports and the uh, also like the English guys and like uh, and all the local guys like Walton and uh, like who else was there uh, which is uh, uh you would have had Graham Walton Garth Roberts yeah, exactly. So we had those guys. We had all the English guys like Peacock and yeah. and Dowd. And so we had like a really good group in terms of like the imports and the locals or the English guys. And so uh, it was pretty good to be back on a team like that there. And the city was obviously uh, was pretty cultural. Like, I mean, right away you can see it like with uh, the buildings and uh, we got we got to do a few tours and uh you could see with all the uh, the pictures on the wall, like I don't know how it, what would you call that? All the paintings, the, and, yeah, the murals. Yeah, exactly. So you know that's something that you didn't see much of in all the other foreign countries. So there was a lot of things like, uh, I mean, I think Belfast has a really rich history. So it was uh, it was definitely interesting to uh, to see there. What what is a player's uh, sort of understanding of uh, the history of this place when you arrive? Is it something that you're kind of worried about? Is it, is it something I, you know? It's obviously, uh, from what I understand on the outside, it's something that's uh, directly addressed to the players when they arrive here because it's really the reason the club exists. And and you know you're, you're told that the, that the Belfast Giants uh, has such a significant purpose in the community. But what, what's your understanding of the history whenever you arrive? Uh, is is it worrying? Well, I don't think I was worried. I don't think I really was worried because I didn't really know much about it. I just, yeah. the only thing I won't say who just said, don't ever get in a street fight in Belfast. So I said, okay. <laughs> that was it. You know, some, like someone who had been there a long time said, don't get in a street fight. I said, well, I don't think I ever would, but I was like, no, I, I won't, you know? It's, a, it's solid advice. So that, yeah, that was it. You know, that was the only piece of advice I got, like, so. I think that's a pretty sage piece of advice for any big city, to be fair. Uh, who who yeah. did you room with in Belfast? Who who did you share your your apartment with? I didn't have a. I didn't share it. My girlfriend came for uh, most of the year there, so we had oh. a. I think I was in at first. I was in Keygate, and then I switched over to. Uh, I forget the building. It was right near the train station. You know? Man. Yeah, I, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about up along the river. Uh, I can't remember the name yeah. of the place. Uh, but you're one of the lucky ones then that, that kind of had your own space. Uh, I, I was going to ask about uh, someone ranking among your best and worst roomies ever. Do, do you have a worst uh, roommate of all time in your career? I'm, I'm going to guess college, no? Worst roommate? Yeah. No, honestly, I think, no, I, I would say no. I mean, I, I think most of the guys were good guys, you know, so <laughs> I, I, I mean that. I don't think I'd have a worse roommate, uh, you know. I, th- I think it's more down to you being extremely easygoing and easy to live with. I think that's the vibe here. Uh, whenever I texted Kiefer to ask for your phone number, uh, he had said that he had just been speaking to you, which which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, we talked a little before before we hit record here, but is is there anyone else from that eleven twelve team that you would still be in contact with? Uh, who else there? Yeah, I speak uh, I, like Rebic the odd time. Who else do we have? Kiefer. Uh... 
I, I mean, I still the odd time message Vandermeer because he came yeah. after J- James Demerab because he's in my area. Like I just oh, messaged him uh, no a couple hours ago. Yeah. Uh, all, Who else? All, all beloved guys. Uh, can you can you uh, just just a pause there? How's Jeremy Rebick doing? Is he all right? Yeah, he's doing. It seems like he's doing well. I mean, the last time I spoke to him was a few years ago, but I just messaged him the other day because I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll talk to him and see what, what's going on. You know, that's awesome. I had no idea that you knew James Damaray as well. He was uh, a well beloved player here. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He, yeah, so I see him sometimes, and we talk every so often there. So, like, I, I mean, there's guys I talk to that are not like exactly from the year that I was there with, yeah. like. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, and I guess I mentioned it a, a minute ago, but the defining moment of your time in Teal and White came on the road to Nottingham. Uh, yeah. On the tw- 12th of February 2012, uh, your 30th birthday, no less. Uh, Belfast had taken the first game of a doubleheader on penalty shots the night before after a 3 3 oh, draw. Yeah. And then trailing 2 0 with seven minutes left in the game. Uh, on night two, the Giants somehow pull level, and uh, and just when it looked like you'd salvaged a point, and, and it was heading to a shootout again, up steps the the fresh thirty year old Nick Kuyper with eight seconds on the clock, beating Craig Kowalski to win the game. I was actually there that weekend, and I I pretty much blacked out uh, when that when that goal was scored, uh, and it still remains one of my favorite Giants memories to this day. What do you remember about that game and that goal? Well, you know what? What I what I remember playing in Nottingham was it was really like it was a tough rink to play in. Like yeah. I'll give them credit. Like they they forechecked uh, like nonstop. Like that was never ever an easy game in the EI. And I think sometimes like people that haven't played there or don't know much about the league don't like they don't realize uh, how tough some of those rinks are to play in. And especially like I remember that's the one thing I remember about Nottingham. Like uh, how hard they forecheck all night long. Like he's just basically got to go back, get the puck, and try to make a play with it. And uh, yeah, that goal. Like, first of all, I think it hit about ten people before it went in. <laughs> they, so they initially gave it to Mike Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know correct? what? It's like it's who knows whose goal it really is. So if you want to <laughs> say it's mine, I'll take it. But uh, it, it, I just. I just let it go and like uh, it was kind of like for, there there was a lot of screw like uh, Mike was there yeah I think Pelle was in front of the net so yeah. there was definitely like a few screens on the play and it was kind of like a weird angle where like maybe I think the goalie just kind of you know it it, it crossed him like on his low blocker maybe or yeah. I, I I don't remember and anyways I'll take the goal there but I don't know I I. I don't know. It seemed like it hit about five sticks and an elbow and a helmet before it went in. So it has gone down in Giants folklore as a Nick Kuyper oh, yeah. goal, and and you know what oh, probably right. helped it? It's that uh, I don't know if you've seen it recently, but one of the all-time iconic Giants photos. That photo of you selling immediately after scoring that goal, you're you're just screaming into the air, and John Pelly, all five foot of him, is just trying to climb you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was a that was a good uh, that was a big win there. I think like I I don't even remember how important that win was because I felt like like when the season was getting tighter there, like every win was so was so meaningful that I don't I don't even really think much about that particular game. I just remember that every game was so uh, was so important, you know. Like, yeah. So. 
so from from memory, I think it was a three way race at that point because uh, it was it was February, so you were heading down the, the kind of the stretch. I think, uh, yeah. I, think that, I think Belfast were five points in the lead at the time. Uh, okay. Nottingham no, Nottingham were second, and I think that that double header put us nine points in in the the lead of the league. But I could be wrong. That okay. that was one of those like neck and neck three horse races. But people still look back on that double header as as one of the defining wins of that season. You know, um. But, but I mean, I, I, the defining win was obviously uh the 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 weekend against the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, the league title was clinched that year in yeah. game one of a winner takes all home double against Sheffield. Uh, tell me about what it was like going into that game, knowing that it was all on the line, you know, it was 1v2, the winner of the weekend took the title, and how did it feel when the final buzzer went and you knew that you had won the, the I think I'm right in saying, the first championship of your career? Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, uh, you mean the game, it was the second to last game, correct? When we when we, we won that basically to clinch the league, right? That's right. It was uh, it was Sheffield on a, on a, a, a double header. So what yeah. we had to do was win one of those games and that uh, we beat them on the first night. Also beat them on the second night, but by then it was dead rubber. Yeah, I remember, like, I think that game our forwards were real strong. I just remember guys were winning a lot of face-offs and uh, – the only goal in that game I remember was like I think it was a cross ice pass. It might have been like uh, Dennis set with a one timer. Like so, yeah. our forwards played real strong, and I think in that game that's what really kind of that that's what really gave us the win. You know, like so that's that's what I remember from that game. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Like uh, it was good for the organization there. And I think the last time, like what I had been told, was two thousand five. So. I think it had been a, quite a few years. Uh, and I, I actually, I still have the the signed. Uh, there's a signed poster that was released that year. Uh, it's still framed in my hallway, and I look at it every single day. It's uh, that that weekend. You maybe maybe it's maybe lost on you a little because you've you've been away for a few years now and whatever else. But I can tell you in Belfast that double header and that season are are talked about regularly, just as as some of people's kind of favorite moments, favorite games of all time. And um, so it was. You're right. It was a it was a massively significant title to bring to Belfast. Uh, do you remember the Sellies from winning that championship? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I remember for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I remember. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> but I remember a lot of things. Uh, I remember a lot of people from Belfast too. Like there was a lot of uh, good fans and uh, a lot of funny people there. Like it was, it was a really amazing year. Like uh, probably one of the best years of my life and playing career. So yeah, I definitely will remember like uh, Paul Robinson. Like there's a lot of good guys in the organization. Like uh, Stewart. Like. Uh, you know, one, I, I thank all the coaches and the, the organization, Doug and Todd. Todd, both of them were great. Like, uh, you know, our, our captain group and the, the one thing, the Gillespie family, Gillespie, if I said Gillespie. it, remember at the bank, but I said it the wrong way, but it's a difficult name. But he, he was amazing, you know, like, uh, we were lucky to have, you always got to look at the ownership and, uh, he, he's an amazing man and we were lucky to have him, like, uh, as the owner and then we had the right management and the right group of players so like uh it was a lot of fun you know like the fans were great uh i you know i can't say enough about the people there like it'd stop you you know and uh thank you or talk to you and uh yeah it was pretty amazing uh organization and the people in general 
uh, Paul Robinson's son uh, Adam has since managed to to play for a couple of games for the club. Uh, he's he's doing well and kind of progressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's a great great guy, great family. Um, and you're absolutely right, uh, Jim Gillespie, known as Mister Belfast around these parts. Uh, he's he's back in the, in the states now in his in his retirement years. Uh, but but still oh, yeah. well well beloved here. Uh, you're 100 percent right. Uh, how does it feel yeah. these days? You know, you're, you're still kind of in touch with Kiefer. How does it feel to see uh, Adam Keefe where he is in Belfast? You know, he obviously stayed on, uh, took the captaincy, and, and now is, is winning titles as, as a head coach. Does that surprise you at all? No, it doesn't surprise me because it's his it's his uh, character. You know, like probably he's one of the toughest players I've ever played with pound for pound. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sure he's going to have continued success. He's just one of those guys that you like, you know, you know he'll do well in whatever he does, but he loves hockey so much that I figure that's what he's always going to stay in, and I, 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 I'm sure at some point he'll, uh, you know, he'll make a move on to something, you know, maybe bigger and better or in something different in, in hockey. But I just see a guy like him will always stay in hockey because of the fact that, you know, he loves it so much. So uh, yeah. I, I wish him always success. You know, I'm a big supporter of him because. He was such a good guy to uh, to play with, and as a teammate, he always protected his teammates. You know, so yeah. I I stay in touch with him. I I can tell you that he uh, it's probably not a secret. He says the same about you in terms of uh, great teammates that, that he's played with in the past. And Kipes, look, your 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 time as a giant was brief, but you you did leave a lasting impression on the club and obviously the legacy of a league title. I think you've maybe already answered me here, but how yeah. you know as your hockey career as a whole, how do you look back on on that one year in Belfast? Well, it was definitely again one of my like most fun years and uh, most successful in terms of team success. And uh, also like, you know, don't forget the schooling component was really, yeah. really challenging. So overall, I mean, it was a pretty amazing year and uh, I'm really glad that I got to do that in my life because, uh, you know, now that I'm I'm not playing and I'm just in Montreal living more of a normal life, yeah. it's something that I'm glad that I, I got to see a, a place like, like Belfast and to have those experiences. And it's, something that like i'll never forget well look uh, i said this to doug christensen as well but uh, I, I could sit here and, and talk to you and ask you questions all, all night so uh I, i'm i'm gonna wrap this one up uh, but but just know yeah. that there's there's always a, a cold pint of guinness waiting for you here if uh, if and when lockdown ends and, and you fancy getting back and seeing the rink again uh, i don't think you'd have to pay for a drink in this city Kipes. Uh, so like i just want to thank you very very much for your time yeah, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully I'll uh, make it back there sooner than later. Fingers crossed, bud. Thanks very much. All right, thanks a lot. Sports Social Podcast Network.